Well, we're continuing our our series that we entitled, How Then Should We Live? As people who are chosen by God, people who are loved by God, people whose sins are wiped away, as forgiven people, redeemed people through the blood of Jesus, people who are bound for heaven, people who have great hope and expectation for the future, how should we live our lives now? And we're going to look at this particularly as it applies to work this morning. You know, in the New Testament, the apostles taught believers to be filled with the Spirit. They taught believers to love and to forgive one another and to work. They taught believers how to work in a way that gave profound meaning to everyday jobs, even if they were a slave. Revolutionary, really. Work and how we work is a big part of our new life. In other words, as believers, as new people in Christ, people who possess the Holy Spirit, who are, who are in relationship with God, work and how we work is a big part of this new life. Most of us spend eight or more hours a day doing some kind of work. How are we supposed to think about going to the office on Monday morning? How are we supposed to think about doing housework or dishes or preparing a meal? How is a slave in the New Testament supposed to think about being a slave? How do we keep the daily grind from becoming just the daily grind? Is is there a way to change work from drudgery to something enjoyable. Well, I believe that in this passage, in these verses, God answers all of those questions and more uh, right here. Many Christians think of God being in a spiritual dimension and work being in a practical dimension. In other words, they, they they separate God from work. They see God and work as being in two separate spheres. And work is in this other dimension that has nothing to do with God. And, in fact, I think sometimes as believers we think, well, I can only serve the Lord after I get off work. Or I can only do things for God in off-work hours. Some, I think, even see work as a waste of time. Particularly those who just really want to love and serve Jesus with all their heart. They may even see work as a waste of time or sort of a necessary evil. This can set Christians up with a sense, a false sense of guilt about going to work at such ordinary things as selling furniture or working at home or going to the office. It sets Christians up with a sense that they are missing out on doing something important for God. They may have a sense of being passed over for a sacred calling or being passed over for a full-time Christian calling and being left only with a secular job. They may think work that matters to God is what missionaries and pastors do. Then there is what I have to do, which is a very distant second place or doesn't even matter to God at all. Bob Thune, who actually happens to be a pastor in Omaha, uh, said that a friend of his left a well-paying job to be 
full-time with a Christian organization. And she announced her job change by saying something like this. As she, she announced it to the church this way. I used to have to do what my employer wanted me to do for 40 or 50 hours a week. Now, I will be free to devote all my time to serving the Lord. He went on to say that he understood what she meant or what she was saying, but he could also see how that statement reveals deeply rooted misconceptions that Christians have about work. The message of the gospel is that Jesus Christ changes all work from a meaningless routine to a meaningful way of showing your love to him. All work. Whether you clean the house or go to the office or teach children, you can do it all as a spiritual service to Christ. And this passage teaches that he is pleased by that. A.W. Tozier pointed out that Jesus Christ was just as pleasing to his heavenly father as a carpenter as during the rest of his life. When the father said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, Jesus had basically only been a carpenter up to that point as far as work. He hadn't even begun his ministry. The reality is, in the gospel, as new creatures in Christ, you really can, yes, you really can please God as a carpenter, as a construction worker, a teacher, or worker at home. And one of the most amazing and surprising messages of the the gospel was that common, lowly slaves could serve and glorify God as slaves. The lowest position in this life cannot keep you from the highest honor, meaning, and purpose in life, which is to serve and honor and glorify God. Not only apostles or pastors or missionaries, but people doing their ordinary work can serve God and obtain great reward in doing that. This is, this is really revolutionary thinking. It's revolutionary stuff. It was revolutionary when Paul wrote it in that society and culture. And I think our misconceptions still remain so great that I think the things that we're going to tell you this morning will actually be quite revolutionary to the way that many of us normally think. Ephesians 6, 5 through 8 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters as you would obey Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Work wholeheartedly, serving the Lord and not men, because you know the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. There's, there's, there's actually three radical truths in this, in this couple of short verses. Number one, you can be doing the will of God while you work. You can be doing exactly what God wills for you to do while you work. Number two, you can be wholeheartedly serving ministering unto Jesus Christ while you are at work. Whether you're working at Wayne Dalton or Principal or Salon Vesta or whatever, wherever, you can do it 
in a way that wholeheartedly serves Christ. And third, God or the Lord Jesus Christ sees your work as such a good thing. He sees your work as such a good thing, as such a good work that he will reward it. He is storing up eternal reward for you for the good that you do in your work. A Christian man who is quietly living his life day in and day out, going to work, supporting his family, faithful to his wife, teaching his children to love God, can be just as honoring to God as a famous evangelist who's on the front of Charisma magazine or some other Christian publication. The Christian wife and mother doing most of her work behind the scenes in the home or doing laundry or washing dishes, teaching her children the Bible, teaching her children to love Jesus, can be just as valued or is just as valued in God's eyes as a woman who is speaking to thousands at a woman's conference. Luther put it this way, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, and she certainly may do that, and that's good, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on his shoes, but by making good shoes, because God is interested in good craftsmanship. In other words, what Luther was saying, what you do, your work that you do, is just inherently pleasing to God if you do it as unto Him. In other words, you don't have to try to make your work spiritual. I love what he says. You don't have to put little crosses on your shoes. Just, do, just making shoes and doing them well and doing a good job and doing it unto the Lord makes that work spiritual and pleasing to God. In fact, Luther refused to call any work secular. He said that every work is a calling from God. So your job, you need to begin to see it from this morning on, is no longer secular work. It is inherently spiritual. Now, thank God for Christians who have high positions, uh, who have, have great, important jobs. Thank God for Christians uh, who do great and noticeable things in the kingdom of God. God does raise up people for those things, and praise God for that. But most of us find ourselves in much more humble and obscure places, doing much more apparently menial things. And yet the message of the gospel is that there is no such thing as menial or mundane work when it is done to the Lord. It lifts up all work, even slave, slave work, to the point of of a great and significant, profoundly meaningful duty that has profound eternal significance and is reaping profound and great eternal reward. Amazing. An article in World Magazine uh, titled The New Legalism said this, I continue to be amazed by the number of Christian youth and young adults who are stressed and burnt out from the regular shaming and feelings of inadequacy if they happen to not be doing something unique and special. Today's 
millennial generation is being fed the message that if they don't do something extraordinary in this life, they are wasting their gifts and potential. The sad result is that many young adults, and he's talking about Christian young adults, feel ashamed if they settle into ordinary jobs and get married early and start families or live in small towns. Or, as 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says, purpose to lead a quiet life, to mind their own business, and to work with their hands. Far too many millennials, or I'm sorry, for too many millennials, their greatest fear in this life is being an ordinary person with a non-glamorous job and having nothing spectacular to boast about. Again, thank God for people that do spectacular things. But for those of us who don't, there is no need to fear. Christ gives glory and purpose to ordinary people in non-glamorous jobs. Praise God. Now, I want to look at some overall truths about work that are not necessarily uh, just taught in this passage. We're going to come back to the passage and spend a little bit more time in it. But I want to look at some overall truths about work from the Bible this morning. I told Josh when this passage came up that I, I, I just I really wanted to to back up and just talk a little bit about a Christian view of work because I think it's something that we don't talk about and yet we all work. First, work, even ordinary work, is good and it is from God. God himself is revealed in Scripture as a worker. The universe is the work of his hands. You are being godly when you work. And we were created to be workers. Genesis 2.15 says, God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Verse 19 says, The Lord God brought the beasts and birds to Adam and gave him the work or the task of naming them. God has, has made us capable of doing things, of making things, caring for things, managing things, even naming things. Exodus 35, uh, verses 30 through 34, I love this passage about work. It says that the Lord has filled people with his spirit in all kinds of crafts to make designs from wood and metals like gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones the Lord has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work. In Acts 18, we read of Paul making tents with Aquila and Priscilla. And it, this was not just a one-time thing. It says that he, he worked with them because they were both of the same trade. I mean, Paul considered that his trade. It was a skill set that he had had and worked at. Farming and herding are occupations we find all through the Bible. Daniel is an example of working in business management or in a position in government. In Acts, we read about Dorcas who made, who made clothing, who made robes and other clothing for people. Christians often are warned that they should not make an idol out of work or a career, and that's true. But the Bible also teaches that work is a good and a godly thing. You should not work, view work as unspiritual. 
Um, you should enjoy your work. You should try to be good at what you do. Second, working is God's ordained means for blessing and meeting your needs. It may surprise you, but God feeds, clothes, and shelters people through human work. Proverbs 24, uh, verses 30 through 34 said, I went past the field of the sluggard. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a bandit. The point of that verse is simply that God's plan is to meet your needs through work. And if you opt out of that, things don't go well. Third, all through the Bible, hard work glorifies God while laziness is condemned. And Paul demonstrated this himself. Uh, when funds ran low, the apostle, the apostle, the greatest of the apostles, or at least who wrote most of the epistles for us, the apostle Paul went to work. Second Thessalonians 3, 7. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. Now, Paul thought hard work was, was such an important quality that he voluntarily, in certain places anyway, chose to work, even when he didn't have to, just to be an example. He thought it was important for him, as the Lord's apostle, as, as the Lord's apostle, not only to model love and patience and purity, but also to model how to work. And so he was saying to them, by example, this is how, this is how a Christian does things. This is how a spirit-filled life looks. In Proverbs 31, the excellent wife is commended because she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She does not eat the bread of idleness. This, this is the woman who fears the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 3.11 says, We hear that some of you are idle, that they are not busy. They are busybodies. Such people we command in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the bread they eat. In other words, to go to work. Fourth, uh, you, and this really begins to bring us back into this passage, you are to go to work with the attitude that you are serving Christ. And this thought that you work with the attitude of serving Jesus is at the very heart of our passage this morning. A similar passage, it says virtually the same thing, is in Colossians 3, 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you, receive, you will receive your inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And so this is, a, this is an amazing thing that, that we 
it, this truth is revealed to us that Christ takes your labor as service to him. Christ chooses to look at your labor, your work that you do, and he will take that. He will accept that. He will accept whatever you do. As you, when you do it to him, he will accept that as service to him. So therefore, we are to work diligently in a, in a way to show him that, that we love him. So the, the outworking of this is that we are to be conscious throughout the day that you are serving Christ. You are, you are to go to work with an awareness of Jesus' presence with you. you know, like, like David said, I have set the Lord always at my right hand. In a sense, you are to go to work with that awareness that the Lord is always at your right hand. You are to see the Lord behind your employer or your boss. You are to see your work as an act of worship and of love for Jesus Christ. So this passage tells us that, and other New Testament passages, that work can be Work can be the joy of serving Christ, the joy of serving someone who loves you. No matter how you might feel about your boss or your boss might feel about you, your work can, can, can become the joy of serving someone who loves you and whom you love very dearly. And this is really the key that unlocks the door to work. This is really the key that unlocks the door to meaning in your work. A lot of people talk about whether they love their job or not. And if you read secular articles on work, I mean, this is a big deal. Have you really found what you love to do? Are you really doing what you love love to do? That sort of thing. But the key to loving your job is loving your Savior. Cook that meal as if Christ were coming to eat it with you. Clean your house as if it were for Jesus. Mow your yard as unto the Lord. And we are to, we are to do this with such a commitment. We are, to do, we are to be so committed to this reality that people should be able to look at us and say, you know, that person looks like they are working for God. They don't have this attitude of resentment about their duties. They seem to be doing it with gladness. They seem to have a greater purpose. Something deeper and greater is motivating them than just to get through the day or just a paycheck. Now, I know that what throws, throws, throws us off is that it seems, it seems like we are just serving a company or a person. And a person that we, that, we, that we may find very difficult or, or not. But the Lord tells us that the, the, the big reality, the main reality, the primary reality when you're doing anything, whatever you do, is that you are doing it to him, that you are serving him. And he takes what we do for our employer or whoever might be an authority over us, if that is the case, that we are doing it. For him, and this does require faith. I mean, it, it is really an act of faith. In Hebrews, it talks about those who endured as seeing him who is unseen. 
And that's, that's really what it's all about. It's, it's seeing him who is unseen every day, all through the day, being conscious of that and being conscious of doing what you do for the unseen Lord and Savior. So, if you are answering phone calls uh, or meeting with customers, scheduling appointments, driving a truck, fixing drywall, swinging a hammer, teaching children, cutting hair, you should be thinking, I am serving Christ. Certainly, there's important things that we do, like pray, praying for people, sharing Christ, giving, mon- giving our money away. But you also serve Christ by making hamburgers. You please him, and he sees that, and he says, I will reward that. It is not like you go to work and then leave God behind. And then pick him back up again when you go home. It's not like you you leave God when you go out to mow your yard. And then you pick him back up when you go to pray. Or come to church. By faith, you give Christ all the hours and moments in your day. In everything you do. So so you, you just flow from talking about business to talking about Christ. You're, in both situations, you're serving and pleasing Him. You just flow from loving Jesus as you wipe your floor to loving Jesus as you call that friend who is hurting. There's no compartments at all in your life. It's all about loving and serving and worshiping Him. Fifth, the fifth truth about work. Uh, no matter how underpaid you may feel you are, or maybe you feel like you're very well paid. I don't know. But no matter what you feel about how you are paid, you have the opportunity to accumulate massive eternal reward during working hours or while you work at home or do, do whatever you do, as it says in Colossians. Verses 7 and 8 from our passage in Ephesians. Work wholeheartedly knowing, or because you know, that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether slave or free. And here's again this situation. It's talking about people who are free, people who were in the lowliest of, of positions of slaves, and he's saying both, regardless of what your work situation is, regardless of how high or how lowly, You will receive reward. Everyone will receive a reward for whatever good he does in his work, in his working position. I think this is amazing. I really do. (laughs) You know, and I struggle with it. I struggle to grasp the, shall I say, the the wonder of it. I mean, I struggle to grasp the the greatness, the, the grandeur of this every day but you know not to be redundant but again you might be cleaning out a grungy bathtub my wife does that at our house i i well i do wipe down the shower i don't 
I don't clean out the tub, but you might be cleaning out a grungy bathtub or turning a wrench or answering emails on your computer. And the Lord says, I see you and I appreciate what you are doing and I will reward you for it. I will accumulate great eternal reward for you. The Lord takes your wholehearted work as zealous service to him. If you wipe up the kitchen floor with the right heart, you are laying up treasure in heaven. Every dish you wash, every sales call you make, every customer you meet with can be done in a way that accumulates heavenly reward. And so you should consciously do your work with that thought. You should consciously do your thought that you're doing it to the Lord and conscious, be, being conscious that the Lord will reward you for it. And you know, that's going to keep you from a lot of griping, a lot of complaining, a lot of bitterness, a lot of resentment. You're just thinking, man, gaining so much reward by doing this. Your earthly boss may be ungrateful. Other people may place very little value on what you do. Others may not even notice or be aware of what you do. But God sees what you do every day as much as he sees what kings and presidents and CEOs do. And God values what you do as much as any king or president or CEO. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about it or read articles on it but you know people make actually quite a bit of money over a lifetime even at even at what we would maybe consider lower paying jobs if you multiply a yearly salary by the number of years that you work it actually can accumulate uh, to be several hundred thousand dollars and of course some people may make millions or hundreds of millions over a lifetime but someday the reward that you get from God for your work will be all that remains. That All that you earn is a salary, that's all going to be gone. And someday, for the way that you did your work as unto the Lord, that's going to be the only salary that remains. And, you know, we just it, that's what we need to work on building up, doing what we do as unto the Lord for that eternal reward. Sixth, obey those who are over you in your work. This passage is an appeal for submission from bosses and workers. First to workers, it says, obey your earthly masters. This is an application of of Ephesians 5.21, which says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So why should you show a submissive attitude on your job? Because you are serving Christ. You know, I, I cringe when I hear Christians say things like, I'm not going to let them treat me like this. I'm just not going to take it any longer. You know, if Christ takes your obedience as service to him, 
What does he take your bad attitudes for or your, even your rebellion for? Well, he takes it for grumbling against him. You know, Moses said to the children of Israel, hey, you, you guys aren't grumbling against me. You're grumbling against the Lord. And so be careful about the attitudes that you develop or allow to develop in your heart toward work. Ephesians 6, 7 says, Render service with goodwill as to the Lord, not to man, or serve wholeheartedly. So when your boss asks you to do something, don't be reluctant or obstinate or defiant or mutter about how unreasonable they are. Respond with willingness and eagerness according to this instruction from the Lord. Why? Because you are not primarily serving him or her. You are serving Christ. This truth is applied uh, also to masters, to those in places of authority over others. And most of us are under someone's authority, and most of us at times in in some way um, have someone who is under our authority. Perhaps maybe it's the babysitter or, or a guy that you've hired to fix up something in your house. But most of us are operate in both spheres at different times. Verse 9 says, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. It's interesting. It just says masters do the same thing or treat your, treat your slaves in the same way. Treat them with the same humility, the same respect, the same sincerity. Do good to them in the same way. Do not threaten them because you too have a master in heaven. In other words, treat those under your authority in the knowledge that God is watching how you treat people, knowing that you have a master to whom you also will report. And in that day, it won't matter to God if you were a master or a boss or a president of a company. There is no favoritism with him. It will only matter if you did what you did unto the Lord. I'm going to wrap up this morning by sharing uh, some other applications from this. Uh, Number one, teach your children the joy of working for God. You know, teaching your children how to work is one of the best gifts you can give your children. Young people don't suddenly become workers at age 23 or 25, they, they usually have to be taught how to work. I sure hope I don't embarrass my granddaughter, but when Sabrina was younger, one day, Cindy had, we had all the kids over, and Cindy said, we're going to go out and do some yard work. And Cindy, or Sabrina looked back at Cindy with this horrified look on her face and said, hard work? Like it was, oh, no, not that, <laughs> not hard work. Uh, but, you know, now today she has a job. She's working quite a few hours, and she loves it. She's, she's learned, learned how to do hard work. One of the blessings you can give your kids is to teach them to love work and to teach them how to work with the right attitude of doing it for the Lord, for the joy of working for God. You know, someone wrote humorously, and yet there's a lot of truth in it, what what parents really say to their kids or often say to their kids about work and careers is something like this. Honey, we just want you to be happy. 
It doesn't really matter to me what you do. I just want you to be happy, whatever you do. Because you see, life is really all about you. You see, we live in a narcissistic society, and we want you to know that you are the center of the universe. And that's the only thing that really matters. And, you know, sometimes that's how we think about work for our kids. We, we just want them to have a great job. We just want them to be happy. Uh, I talked to a young man this week uh, who just said, I asked him what he wanted to do with his work, and he just said, I just want to make money and be happy. You know, a lot of times that's what we want for our kids. How different to teach your child, I mean to really teach your child, that you go to work to serve Jesus. And whatever you do, you do it with all your heart, willingly and eagerly. You submit to those in authority because you work for God. You show up on time and you don't leave early because you work for God. You do your best because you're doing it for God. You keep improving your work because you work for God. You do good at work. You do good at your work. You do your best at your work knowing that the Lord says, I see you and I appreciate what you do and I will reward you. What a different philosophy to give your kids about work. Second application, or maybe this is just something that needs to be corrected in some people's thinking. The place you work does not have to be a Christian business. And the place you work does not have to have a Christian atmosphere. There may be lots of swearing. There may be bad jokes. There may be lots of backstabbing. But in that darkness, you can keep your language pure and you can live in a way that honors God and loves people you can still serve Christ in an ungodly place. Third, it is okay to do ordinary work. And again, I'm probably addressing this to just you know, a few people that, that, that just so badly want to do something big for the Jesus. <laughs> okay? It is okay to do ordinary work. I do believe God does amazing things through his people. But it is okay to do ordinary jobs. I recently read about a pastor who said he spent seven years as as an adult, as a janitor. He said, I spent seven years as a janitor, scrubbed bathroom floors, cleaned toilets, urinals, and took out the trash. But I made it an offering to the Lord and for his glory. Amen. I love that. I love hearing that. Things like that. R.T. Kendall, who followed uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones as pastor at Westminster Chapel, he sold vacuum cleaners door-to-door for a period of time in his life. That was after he graduated from seminary. It's okay to do ordinary work to support yourself and your family. It's It's spiritual. It's godly. God is pleased with that. And fourth, this is really a summation of the whole message, but you must see all of work, every kind of work, whether it's like a professional, you know, eight to five sort of time frame or what you do at home on a Saturday or an evening. Some of you I know are at a point in life through certain conditions where you don't have a a full-time job right now. 
But you see, all of life, all of work, whatever you do, as it says in Colossians, whatever work you do in any way, you see all of life as a spiritual service to Christ. And the inner motive and purpose of your heart is far more important than your specific job. Some people worry their whole life if they really ever found out what they were made to do. You know, they're just just worried about this. Have I really found what I was made to do? Have I really found something that will will use all my gifts and, and really fulfill me? Have I really got the right job or not? And some some kind of endlessly try to find the right job. And I'm again, you know, I'm not saying saying not to do that. There's definitely a place for that. Paul said if you're a slave and you can become free, hey, become free, okay? There's a better job, take it. But this passage teaches that what matters is doing whatever you do wholeheartedly unto the Lord. If if Jesus died for your sins, if he pulled you out of the flames of hell, if he loved you enough to give himself for you, then you will want to lovingly serve him through your work till the end of your days. So, work for him. Set your faith on this. And as I said before, it does take faith. You're going to have to purpose in your heart to lift up your eyes and to see beyond what is seen. And you're going to have to purpose in your heart to have faith and put your faith in these truths that we've just studied and read about this morning. You're going to have to fix your heart on these things and to believe the truth and the reality of Jesus, that he is there, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, that he is a rewarder of those who go to work for him and do it as unto him. No matter how small or big, how important or unimportant it seems that you, what you do each day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just this amazing truth. Thank you for the, for the uh, privilege. Thank you for the honor and the privilege of going to work for you. Thank you for the privilege of loving you through our work and going to work for someone who loves us and whom we love. And thank you. Thank you, Lord, so much for being willing to take the ordinary things that we do every day and accepting them as service to you. Because the cry of our heart is to serve you. And it just is such a relief and such a joy to know that you'll take the things that we do and accept them as loving service, which will be greatly rewarded We're amazed and stunned and so thankful to you for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for for coming today. Uh, May God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.